0: When you were 20 years old, if someone would have came to you and said, here's $175,000
1: to come play football, what would you have done? Definitely take that money. You have to. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No matter where it is. I mean, that's what I keep saying, right? I mean, that's
0: the thing is we, we rant on the system that currently exists in college football. I think the fact that it's a rudderless system is, is nothing but bad. You can't have a rudderless system when it comes to finances. You have to have some form of regulation on that. But I don't hate on any of these guys for taking the money and run. I, I, we don't have specific numbers, but I've heard that most of the guys that have left the Big Sky Conference this year so far that are all conference-type guys, whether it's Rush Reimer going to Cal, Omar Abidion going to Baylor, Sebastian Valdez going to Washington, all those guys are Montana State guys, or Anthony Woods going to Utah, that they are uh, getting six-figure NIL deals. That's where I'm so critical of all this, though, is because we are hearing about these guys getting basically picked off from the big sky with this money, and that's the lure. But it's impossible for these guys to say no and that's all fine and dandy. It's going to be a life-changing opportunity for all of them. The thing that's being left out of this conversation, especially in FCS circles, is if these guys are getting that, what are all the other guys getting? That's the part that's crazy to me because there's a real chance that, like, a lot of these guys don't even go start or star at these places. So Washington's just giving everybody a quarter million dollars? Like, what What does that look like? That's
1: the part that's just, like, blowing my mind. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Everyone gets that. And, right. and good guys, like... Oklahoma's quarterback that went to where did he go? Oregon or Notre Dame maybe. And, uh, Washington State's quarterbacks transfer. Those guys are, are getting a million, a million dollars. I mean, they, I mean, it's widely reported that Caleb Williams right now will make two times more money this year, double the money as a junior in college than he will the, his rookie year in the NFL. Double.
0: That's where you got to have some sort of parameter on it, right? Because like the the rookie league minimum like Matt Stafford broke the NFL when he came into the NFL and he got $60 million guaranteed and he had the highest guaranteed contract in the history of football. And then they had a collective bargaining agreement adjustment. And now there's a maximum salary that the number one pick can get the number one overall pick in the NFL draft gets, I think $5.6 million. That's the guarantee that you get. Caleb Williams is definitely going to make more than $10 million. That, that's a skewed system. You got to have some sort of salary cap. Big sky breakdown. Brooks Duan is here uh, on the big sky breakdown. So like, Who's who legislates this though?
1: That's the part where it's like gets so wonky. Yeah, no, the NCAA doesn't because you have to remember that the NCAA only regulates championships. They don't regulate anything. There's no like they can implement rules that are like really broad and or like destructive to person or players, kind of ish. But like look at like the Jim Harbaugh stuff. That all most of that's coming from the Big Ten conference. Uh, you know when he's getting saying, you know, suspended for three or four games at a time, that's from the Big Ten. That's not from the NCAA. Um, And you can have, like, death penalty stuff, like we've seen SMU or, you know, whoever you want. But, Colton, when you say that there needs to be something, well, there is no regulatory body. And in, in America, let alone just, like, most of the free world and open, like, markets, you get paid what the market dictates you get paid. So if Caleb Williams... Earns ten million dollars, it's not out of whack because that's what he's worth, and that's what he'll be paid. And in the NFL, a rookie quarterback isn't worth what the Heisman winner at USC is worth. It's worth less in the NFL, so you get paid less. And that's just like market dynamics as a whole. I don't think that that's necessarily the wrong part. The wrong part is the what we've talked about before. It's not the kids at Montana State or Idaho who want to take the money to go to Washington. That's not the wrong part. It, the wrong part isn't that Washington wants to pay those kids that money. It's the third-party right. g- collusion of how you recruit those kids while they're already doing something that's the wrong part. Spot on. Yeah, it's
0: spot on. It's just crazy that, that 10 years ago, Cecil Newton, Cam Newton's father, took a $180,000 bribe to send Cam Newton to, or- to Auburn. That's the cheapest national championship and Heisman trophy in the history of time. What? Like you got guys that are FCS guys that are getting bigger offers than
1: that right now. That's crazy. It's it's wild. And the the crazier part is that I think that that that's one thing. Reggie Bush got like a house right. and like a Hummer or like something like that. Right. You know, LeBron got a Hummer in high school. It, right. I digress with the basketball and the, and the, uh, you know, amateur athlete in high school. But, like Reggie Bush, like Caleb Williams won the Heisman, making like ten million dollars, and Reggie Bush took a house for his family and got his Heisman pulled. It's like I think that there's stuff like that that would save some face for something like the NCAA, let alone just college football. It's like just give Reggie Bush's Heisman back, so you make it at least seem like like this is like we're all playing above board here. Otherwise, it's a little, it's almost like a, not only contradictory, it's kind of a joke. Well, it's like the story that Eric Dickerson
0: tells in the Pony Excess. Thirty for thirty, he said. One morning, I wake up at my grandma's house, and there's a Texas A and M colored Trans Am out front. I knew exactly who it was from. And then the next day, there's a suitcase of cash with a hundred thousand dollars in it, with the little uh, SMU blue on there. I knew who that was from too, but nobody knew who they where they came from. They disappeared, and my grandma doesn't know where they come from, and whatever. And now everybody at the University of Utah has got a brand new truck. Every single guy get a brand new truck. From the, from the you know local truck dealer or whatever. It's just crazy how much it's changed. It's like the, the book, The Tipping Point, the tipping point was just massive, and it was just so fast. And the thing that I'm wonder, wondering about is twofold. One, people are never going to stop pursuing an edge, ever. So even if all this stuff is legalized, people will always find the illegal way to do it because the craziest people on the earth are college football fans. So that's one part of it. Secondly, all these FCS schools like Montana, Montana State, they're starting these NIL collectives. They're raising all this money. Good for you. It's absolutely pointless because the, the gap between you and the people that are stealing your players will never close. They'll always have that much more money than you, no matter how much money you have.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. But it's, it's not keeping kids. It's, now it's to the point of getting kids. So you got to get somebody before you can keep them. And, you know, there's a bunch of three stars and stuff signed today. I said this on a pod, I think, last week, Colter. And just to reiterate, because I think it's an important point, is if the FBS is taking, at early signing period, a ton of these FCS transfers... They're not gonna be taking high school kids. And the high school kids are gonna be falling to the FCS. So it makes the FCS better and then like inflated for these little like periods, even just a year. A school can like flip it around a little quicker and, and maybe get like a really good high school signing class. Like there's I feel like there's more three-star guys getting signed at the premier schools in the big sky than there ever has been. I think that's for a reason. So there's like a little bit of a catch twenty-two, but I also think it's like there there could be some positives. I had this revelation in there just this last weekend of being like Maybe it's it's actually okay, especially in basketball. I I don't think so much in football because you have to have more of a culture. But like in basketball, I don't mind seeing Portland State have twelve new guys. I can get down with that. Like they're gonna be bad anyway. So if you get twelve guys and you run it, sweet. That sounds fun. Like at least there's a chance now for schools to like find relevance I think a lot of times we sit on a hill that's quite tall and we say you know we cover Montana Montana State and and all these like what about all the other schools that have no shot well they kind of do have a little bit of a shot
2: Ryan and Miller Law has more than 30 years of experience. Paul Ryan and Angie Miller approach every case like it's going to trial from day one. This ensures that top-notch attorneys are always prepared and ready to press forward on their cases to get their clients the justice they deserve. All legal advice is free, and there's always a real person to take your call with Ryan and Miller's 24-7 answering service. If you need help with a car accident that wasn't your fault or have any criminal defense needs, call 406-542-2233 today. Ryan and Miller, your Montana attorneys.
0: Yeah, several things there. One, I get what you're saying. Also, the last year in Boise watching Sacramento State's women win the Big Sky Championship was the single most bizarre experience I've ever had covering sports. Because you saw on full display what Arena team looked like. And like what a group of people accomplishing something that wasn't five years of blood, sweat, and tears. In fact, it was one year of hiring a coach and another year of getting the best transfers the league has ever seen. And then they won it. Congratulations. They had the best players. They had the two best players. They had Kaleja Dean and they had Isabel Nadabu. Boom. They won it. They had the the best year in school history. Then they all left. But watching them celebrate and watching someone win something, that means nothing to anyone besides the people on that team like that's what we want college sports to be is that it means so much to so many that's the whole thing that's why like Montana Montana State are so cool I'm not hating on Sac State at all but like it 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 just there was like a hollow element to it I get what you're saying though like Portland State getting on the come up and like being able to recruit to Portland as a men's basketball team and they're sweet this year I watched them the other night against San Diego they're nice and like they have a bunch of new guys that are straight out of the portal and that's cool so I get what you're saying on that element as well. The part that drives me nuts is in, in hoops is that now we're just creating an environment where guys that could become like Will Cherries are going to just go be ninth guys at Texas A&M because they wanted the bag and they got lied to. I just think that there's so many guys that are sitting the bench on power five programs right now in division one men's college basketball that just could be sweet players in mid-major.
1: I agree with you. Um, On your sack state point, I don't want to get too deep in it, but I do want to say that uh, uh, for all of time, if you really ask college football or rather college sports fans what it's about, it's about winning. So this is always based around how do you win? Like what happens when
0: your wins mean
1: nothing to anyone? Well, that's just a matter of perspective.
0: But like there was people crying at Washington Grizzly Stadium on Saturday night. There was no one doing anything besides the people that are on Sac State's basketball team celebrating,
1: right? But it's a it's been made about money, and then they use money or whatever to to win. That's what it's it's really cut and dry. So like, yeah, they don't have fans. That's, I think it's an isolated example. Uh, I digress. The other piece of what you were just talking about that I think it's I mean, I think it's somewhat important is that there is I I it's five or six maybe ten years of this the beginning of this where the floodgates open, I think it will settle. I think it will find its way. I think that there will be players that do choose to go to schools and stay and whether they get paid or not, like, that's okay. Like, there'll be some players that, that find their way back into, like, some normalcy. I think right now... If all of your buddies, like I thought, it was so telling with the Montana State offensive line, that they all, when they all transferred, every single one is quote tweeting like, "Go be great, man! It's so awesome! Like we're all doing this together." It's like you kind of have to just roll with it. You kind of just got to jump on board. Like if we're all leaving and I have an offer from Oregon State and I for a hundred grand, like I'm just gonna go. I think that will somewhere slow, especially in basketball. Basketball is a selfish-driven sport. It's not team-oriented like football is. Where in basketball, some guys just want to score. Some guys just want to shoot the rock. You know, they don't they don't really care.
0: The saving grace here for the people in Montana is always going to be this as well. Twofold: one, like who who are the who are the the best players on Montana State last year? B- among them are Brody Greeby and Trayton Pickering. Those guys are are Class C, two hundred person town guys that are among the best NFL prospects in the Big Sky Conference. Yet they're not even in this because they they didn't develop until later. So they're not like, they don't have this illusion of one foot out the door like chasing these grasses, greener dreams or whatever. There's also just the developmental factor to it. And the other, I think the saving grace for the Montana schools is, and this is not dogging on any of these guys, but like Sebastian Valdez didn't know about what Montana State was until he was probably a junior or senior in high school. Rush Reimer, same thing. Omar Bedian same thing. Until they started getting recruited by Montana State birdie greeby knew what montana state was since he could talk you know like your kids definitely know about the cats and the grizz and they're like little kids you know they totally know what's going on and like what the the stuff is about and all that so i think that's another part is like troy anderson could have gone anywhere and nil wasn't quite a thing yet but like he wasn't leaving because that's what he'd wanted to do his whole life so i think that's going to be a saving grace for montana for the montana schools for at least a little while
1: yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think all the sports are different. I think that there's, there is a tone that will be set in this next couple of years that I don't think is sustainable. So I think that there will be like a little bit of change. And I think that that's probably important. I mean, basketball is a very very unique one, and somewhere like the University of Montana that has great tradition and stuff, I, I, they're always going to get a guy. But I think that something to also remember, I think that you know Bill Lambert, Montana State SID, always speaks of this, you know, fairly candidly, is like. If you think that you could hoop, and you go somewhere and you don't play, people have been transferring since the '80s. Hey, like that's just that's just a, been a part of it. Now that there's like money involved, it, sure, it's a little bit extra motivation. But man, guys, guys, if you think that you can hoop and you're the eighth man, you are out, and you always have been. Way before money was involved.
0: Okay, two more things on this, and then we'll get actually into uh, what's going on in the FCS and the Big Sky Conference. Because there is, we're talking about all this, because this is all the stuff that's going on in the Big Sky for the teams that aren't playing. There's only one team playing left. That's the Montana Grizzlies. We'll get to that uh, in just a minute. Uh, To affirm your point, it is signing day today as we record this, December 20th. And Brett Vegan just said that in his press conference, Montana State head football coach. He said they felt as if there was a lot more good available players that are willing to talk to FCS schools right now because the Power Five is taking less because they're taking already developed guys. They don't want to put in the dirt work of, you know, getting an offensive lineman and bringing them up. They're just going to go get a guy that somebody else already developed for three years or four years and bring them in. So there is more high-quality recruits available at the FCS level. So that could benefit the the Blue Bloods, the Powers uh, in the FCS. I think that's a good point. The other thing is, though, the money is a part of this. The, the allure of these guys leaving. The prestige of the program that they're going to is part of these guys leaving. Being able to test yourself at the highest level, that's part of it. I totally get all of that. There's also this narrative, though, that it gets you a better shot in the NFL. I think that's pretty overblown, especially if you're a skill position guy. Because if you are a skill guy, like Junior Bergen is a great example, the things that are going to get you a shot in the NFL are, are going to happen in the span of 45 minutes on your pro day. Then they'll turn on the film. What does your film look like against FCS? Whatever. But if you run 4-4, if you're Mark and you run 4 you get a shot. It doesn't matter what you – and then they'll turn on the film and they'll see the film is good. And even if the film's not against Iowa or Texas or whatever, what you do on your pro day is the number one thing. And then what you do in the senior all-star games afterwards is the number two thing. And then after that, they talk about your film. But, like, for me, Samari Torre did not get a shot in the NFL because he went and played at Nebraska. He got shot in the NFL because he ran a four four eight on his pro day. And then he
1: balled out in the Senior Bowl against NFL prospects. Very true. Um, even more so true in basketball. Um, I had a, a Grizz assistant coach tell me that the only thing that he recruits to is dads who call him and ask about their kid going to the league. That's it the so only thing that they're talking about is literally every single one is dad wants to know how we're gonna get his son to the league. That's it. And it's like, wow, that is wild. Um, but if you're gonna make it to the NBA, the NFL's a little bit different, but if you're gonna make it to the NBA, it doesn't matter where you play, it doesn't matter who you are, it has nothing to do with anything. You either you're either league or you're not. That's it. It doesn't matter at all. They'll find out quickly, they'll put you in a scrimmage, they'll get you in the right spot, the you're league or you're not. In the NFL you can have like different styles of player that can make it but i agree with you Coulter, that this day and age with how much exposure there is and rec- and recruiting at that level like you already got- recruited to college and you, get- you got to get recruited to the pros it does not matter man if you are a dude you will absolutely have a chance <music> If life has become
2: overwhelming, crazy, and hectic, then now is the perfect time to try the healing powers of CBD. Greenhouse Pharmacy has a full CBD apothecary with the largest selection of whole plant, full spectrum CBD products in the state of Montana. Choose from high quality brands and products like tinctures, balms, coffees, and tea, edibles, and so much more. Plus, Greenhouse Pharmacy offers exclusive products such as relaxing bath bombs, soaking salts, pain patches, and lotions. Visit Greenhouse Pharmacy. Pharmacy on 3rd Street across from the Good Food Store.
0: Please have Scott on I've got a couple of new sponsors around here. Appreciate a uh, couple new folks for helping us. We're taking a crew of people down to Frisco. I will not be going, but we have a whole bunch of other guys going down. Uh, Brooks Nuana's, Bre- Blake Hempstead, Andrew Houghton, and it looks like Gus Tutel might make a little appearance as well. So uh, that would be fun. Either way, i guess got to say thanks to Greenhouse Pharmacy for helping us get down to Frisco, uh, they have all sorts of uh, very beneficial things there at Greenhouse Pharmacy, from their uh, exceptional and organic flower selection to also then uh, all their edibles and as well as their CBD. Got aches and pains? Get some of that CD, CBD salve that'll help you uh, big time. Greenhouse Pharmacy located on Third Street uh, in Missoula, sustainable and organic, uh, the only Green Certified dispensary in the city of Missoula. Okay, so I've already done so many hours on this, talking with myself, talking with Coach Marty, talking with Tutel, talking with Sample about Saturday's game at Washington Grizzly Stadium. You get a, a unique perspective because you get to be on the field, but also you're staring down the the chamber, so you're seeing the action through the lens of the camera. What
1: did it look like? What'd you see? It was among the greatest games I've ever seen, for sure. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly close. I'd put it in the top five easily, and the top five is, you know, some legendary ones that I think would be on other people's lists as well. North Coast State was really good. They were really big, really physical. They dominated the line of scrimmage, um, on offense. They they really had everything in the makings to win that game and maybe even win it like relatively big with a little margin and the grizz just hung in there and hung so tough. I mean, that I, I don't think you can you can really praise a team more for the performance that they put on bowing up, holding them to three field goals before they even, you know, ever broke the dam there. The crowd was obviously a big factor. <clears throat> and there was like some back and forth banter on Twitter talking about how people are just so tired about hearing other people talk about the crowd. You know, like <laughs> just people in general just being like, OK, we get it. You know, it's loud. This it's a different thing. It's a different thing. You know, an everyday Sunday against Northern Colorado compared to that is—they're um, both loud. It's such a different thing.
0: Well, that's the one point I wanted to make. I don't know if you saw Sean Rainey's great video of like the conglomerate. he like collaborated all of the videos from the stands. The one of Maggie Voison, former Olympic medalist, the skier, when she was in the concourse pacing, and there's not one person in the concourse. That's the difference. Is the Grizzles sell 26,500 tickets to every game, but 3000 people are going to the bathroom or now that, now that there's beer, they're getting a beer or they're, you know, they're getting some gloves or their kid wants a foam finger. or They want some pizza hut or they need some popcorn before halftime. And in the fourth quarter through overtime, not one person was wandering around. Not one person was using the bathroom.
1: Literally every seat in the stadium was full. It's definitely true. Uh, uh, just to make a little quip here the in the first part of this podcast, we talked about NIL and how it's ruining everything. Well, they put beer at football games. It's just fine. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just fine. Things are fine. Things will work the souls out it's still loud. <laughs> people are just having a good time. Um, Nobody has died, right? Like they're, they're, the whole notion was if you put beer at football
0: games that people are going to be way more drunk. I would actually argue that I have seen Washington Grizzly Stadium be way, and Bobcat Stadium be way less drunk because people aren't just Bum chugging liquor, and the, they can just go have a beer and and drink it normal.
1: Bum chugging liquor—that that is <laughs> that is a trademark of the Big Sky breakdown. You put it on a T-shirt. Um, back to the game. The everything that I you know I kind of thought of the, what the Grizz needed happened, and that's that's Junior Bergen and Keelan White to have big games, and you know try to find a way on defense. And I thought North Dakota State really should have ran the ball more. They ran it a lot, but they ran it very effectively. I thought they had Montana on their heels at times, but then Montana could bow up and find a way to get a big stop. So that was vitally important to the game. I mean, just everything about college football that is good was happening in that game, and there was nothing really that that took away from the moment. I was mentioning that to some people that I thought – The fact that there was no turnover, the ball was on the ground like several times, but there was no like turnover where like, oh, he blew it. The guy blew it. Oh, the guy did it. Oh, the the punter snapped it over his head for a safety and then they lost by two. The guy doinked the field goal. The interception, oh, so bad. Like at the end, sure, that little pick, whatever. That doesn't, I'm not even counting it, right? Like there was, the game had to be won. And I love that. And I always say that about good fault college football games. Someone has to go win it. And the Grizz were able to do that. And one note, and I've been saying this all year, I thought it was amazing that North Dakota State took the football on the coin toss. Win the toss, take the ball. Go down and score. But they didn't. And the Grizz got a stop. They were just getting gashed. The huge play down the sideline. Just getting gashed. And it's just like, North Dakota State's going to go score this. If they get a stop, it might be the game over. It was such a genius idea. And then the Grizz find a way to get a, a stop on third down and force a field goal. And the rest of the game completely fell into their hands. I mean, again, though, against almost anyone, I'm taking the ball, especially on the road. Take the ball, score, get a stop. What a deal. I thought it was very smart. And the Grizz still were able to overcome that. So I think it was a, a win very well earned. Um, they're playing with a lot of juice. You know, they're on a heater right now, Colt. They're like, they really are. They kind of across the board even when things aren't going well, even when, when, when Cliff is throwing the ball in the dirt, even when they, you know, have a short possession or they're, you know, getting gashed a little bit here that like, it's, they still find a way and it's a level of confidence. It's a level of trust that we've talked about a lot this year. That makes really good teams. And, you know, I think the line is obviously high to play South Dakota state in the, in the championship game. And that that's fair. That's whatever. I, You just don't want to play a team like the Grizz. A lot can happen in three weeks. Traveling to Frisco, injuries or not, health or not, you get off the heater in a month, that can all happen. I just know that in a playoff setting, it's just not the team you want to play um, as the Grizz because no matter what you game plan for, it just feels a little different when they're on the field and they're playing with juice.
0: We have forever and a day until we actually get there. We're going to have another one of these episodes next week and another one the next week. So I want to save a lot of the stuff on – what's next in South Dakota State for uh, the next couple weeks because we're going to have to fill some space here because it's it's quite a void with three weeks off. But you mentioned just – I think people have a misperception of like what makes a great game, what it makes a close game. We've covered a lot of close games, and they're great games, but there's also like ways – like it's very rare you get a game where – like in Bozeman, for example, between North Coast State and Montana State. Came down to the wire, went to overtime. It was a one point game. It was a great game, but several of the key factors within the game were teams making mistakes. They're giving it away, or they're not converting on a fourth down, or they're missing an extra point, or what, you know, missed kicks, all these different things. That game was so sweet because you could tell both teams were hanging in the balance of who's going to make the first mistake. And even when they did, neither one was catastrophic. But then they got to the last five minutes of the game, and it was like, okay. No more of this conservative, let's make plays. And then the two-minute drill by Cam Miller. Epic to tie the game. It's it at overtime. Then the response. North Coast State takes the ball in overtime. They score on their very first play. The Grizz don't flinch. Boom, they score on their very first play. And then it's just back and forth and back and forth. Everybody was making plays. Nobody was making mistakes. That's where you just get these
1: emotion-filled games that are just so fun to be a part of. Absolutely. And and the the cats can't do anything that Tommy Malak got hurt in that game. That does take away from the history of like an epically great game, you know? It's like like the air just gets blown out, you know? It's like I've seen a lot of great games that kind of have that moment, and it's, that's a bummer. And, you know, the North Dakota State receiver got hurt in the first quarter and never came back, but, like, that didn't change the dynamic of the game. And that Cat, Grizz, that Cat uh, NDSU game, that was a great – that was an awesome game, a very memorable game. But like you say, it's a different feel. Um, and just the level, the level of cojones that it takes to drive down and score on the Grizz in back-to-back playoff games – with under a minute in the fourth quarter, Furman did it and North Dakota state did it. And the Grizz should lose both those games. When that happens to you, it is like the air is out of the balloon. And it's like the momentum. Not only did it just flip, you got almost none of it. They didn't flinch either time. Again, not that you should be giving up that touchdown. um, But I also think that when all the cards are on the table on a team, like talented teams, like both those teams go down, you know, anything's up for grabs. You're not you trying not to have pass interference in the end zone, all that stuff. But still, Those are the kind of games where the team steals momentum and you lose that game. And and they were able to hang on, which is just, I mean, just pure insanity.
0: from both both a uh logistics and execution and just heart standpoint why is it that the grizz are so unbelievably good defensively when they get down in the red zone
1: they just have the perfect personnel for it i mean it, it's also it's, every, it's so much of like goal line defense is a mentality and i think people misassociate the goal line with the red zone those are yeah. different things and even within, inside the five yard line is different than being on a goal line. Right. So like being a tough goal line defense is one thing, but being a good red zone defense is, is really, it's a different thing. It's, it's a, it's much like playing, um, Oh, what's a good metaphor for it Colt zone in basketball or something like it, they're playing zone defense is a completely different thing in basketball than it is just to play man to man. Right. Like it's a, it's not only a mentality, but like it is a different fundamental thing. Playing red zones defense also is, and you can be good at just red zone defense and not be a great like middle of the field defense. Which I'm not saying the Grizz are that way, but also in the secondary, having your corners, your nickel, and your safeties be able to have awareness and understanding of where the the end line is, where the sidelines are, playing an extra man in your favor that way. If you have just the innate skill set to do it, then you also have like the coaching, the mentality to do it, yeah, I mean, all, I think it would be fair to say that all good defenses are good red zone defenses, if that makes sense. Uh, So I I think the Grizz just have the right personnel for it.
0: I thought Marty Mornowig made a great point as well, and that is that a team like North Dakota State, they formation you to death, right? Like they run a different formation on it. I mean, Marty told me because his son is an offensive coach there, he said that they brought like five or six tight ends and like four fullbacks on the trip. Among their seventy travel guys, because those guys can play special teams and stuff too. But they, I mean, they ran a, a formation where they had four tight ends. They ran a formation where they had eight linemen. The Grizz don't run personnel packages defensively. They do not. So it's like between the twenties, you're going to get what you get. They're just they're relying purely on open field tackling and chaos. That's it. But then when they get down in the red zone, then the formations become largely irrelevant because then it's just about the exact same thing they'll just tackle your ass off that's that's exactly what they made it all about and it's amazing how much this scheme has evolved to fit the guys that they have on their team now
1: yeah that's what i mean by the personnel is that they don't have to trade them out you know most teams if they hold up the card in college football you have to wait forever to get the defense have a chance to sub and all that the grizz don't do that so that's kind of what i allude to i'm sure that coach could explain it a little bit better
0: well, and, and you know, make no mistake, I'm not saying the grizz don't rotate their players. They roll their players a ton. They just don't change their personnel package, basically. They, they're running a uh like a six man front and they do a bunch of stuff in that six man front and then they're running a five man back. That's what they're doing. All day, every day, every every position on the field.
1: Yeah, you know, most times when they send four tight ends and the nickel comes off, you put a linebacker, in, they don't do that because they just know their nickel and their corner, and everyone can just tackle everybody. So <laughs> they're just they're good with getting a corner on a 265-pound tight end in the flat. Like they don't that that's not an issue for them. I'm not sure
0: how many people you're able to actually recognize and see on the field after the game because no, it was a whole, it was a complete, it was a it was a chaotic
1: thing. I hardly were able to see anybody either. The I told someone that not only was it like a little bit scary because like everyone on the field there is is beyond drunk. And I'm not even talking about alcohol, this life. And like I'm sober as it gets trying to do my job, and it's like it's very disarming. Like it's very it's it's a it's a little bit. I'm not gonna call it like uh, I don't want to like you know overemphasize, but it's pretty dangerous. Pretty dangerous situation to be in when you just have civilians that are out of their minds running. At full speed, at every direction. But the thing that I thought was so crazy, Coulter, and I'll pass it to you, is so many of those things: basketball, football, the Cat Grizz game, or something. The team knows how both teams and the team and the fans know how to celebrate. This was such pandemonium that no one knew. So it was just bodies on the ground. There's just people like laying, getting knocked on the ground, but then also enjoying that, <laughs> like it's like a snowball fight, and they're doing snow angels, and you're just like, this is it's it was here in utter chaos
0: man i have gotten some of the best celebration videos for us over the years from just going in and being a part of the fray and i'm decently big guy so i can like hold my own but just like being in there and like you know i got some sweet videos like post cat grizz this year with you know bobby how can tremaine johnson hugging each other and like the guys with the trophy like in moscow with a little brown stein i got no celebration videos because i was getting annihilated I got checked. I got picked up. At one point, Cannon Pamphiloff, who I've never even met in my real life, was just carrying me around. He had no idea. He was just wanting to celebrate. He was pumping his fist. And he saw somebody, he just picked me up. And then I was like, he's like, sorry, man. I was like, it's cool, man. I don't know what to do right now. It was wild, man. It was totally wild down there uh, on the field. Um, but the one guy I did see, that's why I brought this up, and I just can't believe how happy I am for him, because he's from Anaconda, Montana, and people from Anaconda love their people so much. And Anaconda itself—I mean, we had a Noanas now during Cat Cruise Week in Anaconda. The whole freaking town came down there to hang out with us because they love it and they wanted to hear about Braxton Hill and they wanted to know all about it. And like they're so proud of their their own, right? And this guy also happens to be the head coach of Missoula little big sky, and he's got the Bash Brothers, Roman the linebacker crew, and I, Matt Johnson. He's like he was crying because he was so proud, and it was it was so awesome because he coached Levi Janicaro, he coached Tyler Flink, and he coached and he and he you know he's grown up with, around the hills, and and he knows you know he's from Anaconda, so so happy for Coach Johnson. And I it, did it was like Bobby Houck said in the post game, you know, Grizz football brings a lot of pride and joy to people around the state of Montana it's really, really frustrating when they have done things that have like robbed that joy, but I'm just so happy that they've gotten that back because it really, it's, it's epic, man. Like it, 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 it changes the entire environment and just like the balance of the universe
1: in Missoula. It made, that was the, one of the best thing. It was the best thing that coach Hauka said in his return, um, uh, the last what, four or five years, but I I don't want to overstate this culture, but, I've said on this podcast, especially like last year, but even the year before, more is that I really hope that those guys know that. Of course, Coach Houck knows that, but it, I really hope that they get their ass in gear because if you don't be careful in this day and age, you could lose it. Right. And I'm not saying that they were close to, but they definitely were on. You know, they got closer to the fence than they'd ever been. Of man people might just be like i'm actually good i'm not gonna go on saturday i'm actually okay i i I have better things to do because it's not that fun anymore and they took the air out of the ball a little bit and just like these mistakes and then being callous about it and like people were like am i a part of this anymore and they not only captured it all back they set a whole new bar for it
0: Whether you're a sports fan or you run a business, you got to have something to wear. Why not get it branded? Why not represent your favorite sports teams, your favorite high school, your favorite college, your favorite pro team? Why not represent your business when you're out and about your respective communities? Anode Designs can help you out. Anode Designs, our great friend Blake Hempstead, contributor at Skyline Sports, he's the man in charge there at Anode, and they can get you hooked up with everything from anaconda copperhead gear to any and every sort of branded gear for your business. Find out. More visit Anno Designs.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Anno Designs is located at 421 East Park Avenue in Anaconda. You can find them on Facebook or you can give them a call 406 563 121 where we get all our gear from Skyline Sports Anno Designs in Anaconda. And that is where, because Bobby Hauck is always going to be a me against the world type of guy and a type of coach. And You're either with us or you're against us. You're riding with us or you're not. And that's it. That's how he is. He he brings people that he knows are with him along. But he's not going to try to make an effort to bring people back or to bring people that aren't in it along. That's where the guys that are the seniors on this team deserve all the credit in the world. Because Braxton Hill has brought everybody along. Braxton Hill has been authentically full of joy every single time he's addressed the media, every single time he's playing on the field, and it's not just him. All those guys, they all, Janet Caro and Flink and governor. They all, and I think there's such a huge dynamic with all those guys being best friends and living with each other, man. They definitely talk about it. Like it's a thing and they have so much pride in it. And like when you get them together, we had three of them together and we were all talking with them and like they, they know they actually know. And like, that's the thing that drives both of us crazy about the younger generation is they act too cool for it. Or like, we don't know about the history or we don't want to know. Or like, we we're too good for it. Like those guys absolutely freaking know. And they know that they're a part of it, and it's so cool.
1: And they know it's their responsibility. It's yeah. it's what they it's what they sing about, right? That's that's the whole thing. It's pretty cool. And Coach Hog talks about it for the state of Montana. We always talk about, you know, blurring those lines and, and breaking down those borders between all the all the Frontier fans, and the Cat fans, and the Grizz fans, and it's like, you know, it's <laughs> at least in a town like Missoula, but I think anywhere in the state of Montana, you can relate to somebody on something and feel pretty good about it. And that's, uh, you know, especially around these times, time time of year, it's, uh, it's a very hard thing to beat.
0: Any other like epic or unforgettable moments or memories from, from Saturday night? You, you mentioned that it ranks up there for you. This is total recency bias for me, but I think it's the greatest game I've ever seen in that stadium. The reason I say that is because the ones that are also on par with that, I had a completely different lens in which I was looking at them through. The other games that are like in the mix are App State 2001, or 2000, App State 2000, when I was like 13 years old. And we had the Braby seats for the afternoon, which are in like the northeast end zone. And Jimmy Ferris caught a touchdown right there in front of me in overtime to win. Yeah, that's awesome. When I was 13, though. So, like, I didn't even know what objectivity was. I was just a 13 year old kid that was just like, oh my God, Jimmy Ferris is God. And then he like went to play on to play for the New England Patriots. And I thought he's like the greatest receiver in the history of the world. And then, you know, the other ones are like, UMass, 2006, because that's the drunkest I've ever been in public in my life. Uh, 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 so I was, yeah, yeah. So I was, yeah, I was, I was uh, you know, I was 20 years old. Like that's what happens. And uh, I didn't drink till I was 20. <laughs> uh, of, of course, the gate the playoff runs in 08 and 09, and I was like writing features about the team, but I was living with football players and like all my best friends were on the team, and then 09, I mean, the, the number one is App State 09, but I can't look at that through an objective lens, because you were on the, you were my brother on the team, you're a redshirt in the student section, I was about to move away from Montana, so it was like my last hurrah, I knew it was going to be my last Grizzly i ever watched from a non-journalism perspective in my life, and you know, Jason, Ty, and Mark, and all my best friends are seniors on this team, and they like gutted out against Armani Edwards, so of course that has like a special place emotionally in my heart, but in terms of like objectively observing football, that was the greatest game I've ever seen on Saturday.
1: Oh yeah. No, I think outside of, you could include the objectivity and it's still the greatest game. Um, I really do. I mean, yeah, App State was cool in 2009. Um, Cause again, just the run, it was just so it was, it was quite the deal. And then the stand at the goal line and stuff, but that wasn't as like, That game was, if I remember it right, it was like, I don't know, 24 to 20. Um, It was 24-17. It was snowy and windy, and it it wasn't like really beautiful football. Um, It was kind of like a slog and just a grind, and like Armani Edwards played really well. He was arguably the greatest FCS, one of the three or four greatest FCS players of all time. It's got to be Adrian Peterson and Armani Edwards and Cooper Cup, right? Like that's probably Jerry Jerry Rice. It's a short list, right? Um, but I don't. I remember him playing well, but not having like the right, same Brian West. But we could go on this forever. Buck sure. Buchanan, I'm sure, was a pretty good player. Um, <laughs> yeah. We could go on that forever. But the uh, I don't remember him having like the like the the Armani Edwards game. So it's like just a different game. I mean, like Tremaine Johnson had the huge play at the end, and of course, I'll never forget that. Just getting to be a part of that in 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 many ways, but. <laughs> The game before that in the playoff run, Colter, the, the South Dakota State game. And we these are all games that are on people's lists. But when Mark Mariani has to kick off the punt, the, the receiving touchdown, you know, down like 48 to 14 or whatever, come all the way back and win that thing. Like that's, you know, that's pretty wild too. So the other games that are on my list that are more, uh, I guess, more recent, if you will, was a game that I loved, Colter. You'll have to help me remember some of the details was probably 2004. 15 um 14 maybe was montana state versus eastern in bozeman is 55 52 something like that and that that was that game was nuts
0: We had back to back Easterners. 2014 in Bozeman, Montana State beat Eastern 52 to 50. Cooper Cup yeah. back shoulder and then the two point conversion right afterwards. Yeah. I thought Rob Ash was like gonna just pass out on the field because he just couldn't believe that that had just happened. And that's when I was like, Cup's just the greatest. I already knew he was the greatest I've ever seen.
1: It's it solidified when you know you're like. I always knew that, and now no one can ever talk me out of that, and it's a 100% facts. It's a factual thing that he's just the greatest. Um, and also, when the teams are scoring 55 and just chucking the ball over the field, different thing. Well, there
0: was – I mean, the 2014-2015 Cats is like a brain breaker just thinking about like all of – they had 52-50 loss to Eastern Washington. They had a 59-56 win over Sac State when gunner brecky almost housed the kick and then mitch herbert scores the touchdown in the corner of the end zone for a walk off at sac state they had a 55-52 loss at eastern where eastern didn't punt one time you know like that that was just the spin that was the same team the same group of guys for 2 years they were scoring 50 a game and <laughs> and they went like 13 and 13 because they were giving up like 40 a game some of the i mean the seventy-seven forty-seven against UC Davis, because UC Davis kept scoring, so they couldn't take the starters out. So Cramsey was just like, fuck it. We're, we're just going to leave Prukop in and see how many touchdowns he can score. I mean, they had some absurd back and forth. I don't know if those were actually like, those were exciting games and super great shootouts and stuff.
1: Like the the tension of the moment wasn't necessarily as much there, though. Does this make sense to you? I don't know why it is for me, but. I remember like really impactful losses way more than I do. Like really close fought games. Like I think of, we got, we can't forget like cat Grizz 2018. I mean, that's a, you know, just a ridiculous oh, game, but like, I remember like the Grizz losing to Weber state in 2008. Like I remember it so vividly and it was like a really big deal. Uh, I remember plenty of other losses like that. Like one of the most memorable cat Grizz games are ones where it's just like this drubbing. Yeah. It wasn't that I remembered the win as like I remember the loss as much as anything. Um, same with both the Grizz uh, recent championships. The Richmond game, a little bit different than the Villanova game because, you know, Cole Berquist took the took the Lawrence Sidbury helmet to the thigh and then uh, who got hurt? Russell got rolled up on, got hurt. Like, there was injuries that kind of, like, stole the moment. But, like – a busted kidney. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, in 2009, it was such an impactful loss because it was a whole team and they – were up i mean mark Mariani goes 10 for 187 in the first half and then goes 0 for in the second half and they like lost to a, a team they shouldn't have lost to i remember that more than i almost do like you know things other games that were close and fun wins or whatever you want to call it.
2: Ryan and Miller is a law firm specializing in personal injury and criminal defense. Paul Ryan and Angie Miller bring more than 30 years of litigation experience and are able to handle cases across the state of Montana. Ryan and Miller Law focuses in specific areas of law to ensure the firm provides their clients with the best representation. Their firm proudly handles automobile accidents, medical malpractice claims, wrongful death claims, DUIs, and criminal charges. For more information, visit RyanMillerLaw.com. Ryan and Miller Law, your Montana attorneys. Last
0: thing here on this week's Big Sky Breakdown with Brooks Duanas. Presented proudly in part by Ryan and Miller Law. Ryan and Miller Law, your Montana attorneys. Thanks to Paul and Angie for their continued support of all of our stuff here at Skyline Sports and ESPN Radio. Paul's been going to Grizz games since 1968, so he and I are going to sit down probably sometime next week after the Christmas holiday. And to get some memories from him, his, his old man used to be the scoreboard operator, the timer, and the facilities guy down there at Dornblazer Field. So he was, like, required to go to games. And that was back in the 70s when the Grizz weren't very good. And then he kept going and kept going. And he went to University of Montana, and now he's you know as, as big of a Grizz supporter as there is. And so it'll be fun to, to hear Paul's memories. And uh, they're just such generous and kind folks, but also they're uh, great attorneys. So if you need any legal help, you can visit ryanandmillerlaw.com. You can also call them 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, they have a live answering service. Ryan and Miller, your Montana attorneys. I got to ask you about Junior Bergen's return. <laughs> I get up the postgame press guy. You had asked me last week, where's Junior Bergen rank as far as guys for the Grizz of the open field? And I was like trying to downplay it because he's really good. But I was like, oh, what about these guys? And you, uh, you say to me when I, when I get in the postgame, you're like, yeah, Jefferson Heidelberger, huh? <laughs> good one. I mean, that was, that was stupid, man. I know, again, I know it's prisoner of the moment. I, that's just one of the greatest kicker turns I've ever seen live, it, period, in any level of football.
1: Yeah man, he's he's got that thing. It's very unique. There's no one like him. Um, you know, the guys that are his comps and stuff, like we've talked about, the Mark Mariani and Jerry Lou McGee comps, like they're just all different. And it's kind of a preference thing at some point, but at this point, I don't think it's really a preference thing that he's the best punt returner of that crew. That doesn't mean doesn't take away from anything that those guys did offensively or playing receiver or, you know, the legacy they left, all that stuff. It's just when he catches the punt, I mean, there's really nothing like it. And yeah, that return just goes to show. I mean, teach tape, guys. Like, if you if you want your high school kid or your team or whatever to learn about how you block up a punt return, that's one thing. But it's on the returner to trust the block and to get to his to get to get the sideline. Mm-hmm. To keep trusting it, to cut it back the way he did. He didn't cut it back. It looked like a cutback, but he was trying to get to their sideline the whole time, right? Trying to get to the Grizz sideline. And, but he caught it outside the other hash. It's it's not an easy feat. Um, you can't get to the other sideline without getting tackled. And for him to, like, get through the traffic he got through and then the little burst at the end, and, of course, you got to have all the blocking. And, yeah, man, it's just – I don't even know. It's what it's what they write fairy tales about. I mean, it's outrageous. And, yeah, with hit, ball in the hands, I really – I mean, I really don't think that there's anyone better. Mark is faster. Jeremy Lou McGee will put you in the spin cycle, but I, I don't – think there's anyone that that you can be grasping shadows as much as you will with with junior bergen
0: I mean, i i think his only competition left is tough harris and bergen's gonna just blow him out of the water because of his opportunity more than anything like tough was like tough's the fastest man in the history of montana like just in terms of you know i mean he's the he's the state sprint champion for he, he had the state record in the sprint in the 100 meters for 15 years and you know chris wilson broke it because chris wilson's should have been an olympian but, uh, and tough was just like so natural and smooth, but you're right. There's, there's just no comp, especially part returning. I mean, now the thing is he's got five part return touchdowns, which is the Montana record. He's done that in two years. Cause he was not really, he didn't return a ton of one uh, punts his freshman year cause he was a running back and they were trying to not wear him out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, He's unbelievably fun to watch, and I think that the, the fact that he's he's not only so good in the open field, his vision's so unbelievably good, he's also just a freaking dog, man. Like He he trucked his way into the end zone on the punt return and on the overtime touchdown. The guy's 178 pounds. You don't think he has that in him, but he absolutely has
1: that in him. Yeah, he sure does. Um, I want to know, Colt, though, you maybe we should ask Eric Tabor. He might not have the time until after the uh, the January 7th date, but... I want to know who has the most 20 yard returns. Mm. He's got five touchdowns, man. He's got to have like 15 or 20, 20 yard returns or more. I don't even know. Like the average, you say, look at his average. That'll play. It's like, man, I don't know that he, he has so many monster returns that get them into, into, uh, you know, positive position. But yeah, no, there's, it's people ask us if he's, if he's league, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain from that right now because I think that he still has some development. Is Junior Bergen an NFL player? I will I'll give you the answer next August, October 15th.
0: <laughs> put it on your calendar, put it on a t-shirt. Big Side Breakdown, Skyline Sports MT.com. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications for all their continued support. Be sure to subscribe to our Skyline Sports newsletter presented by Blackfoot Communications. And be sure to visit goblackfoot.com. For Brooks Nuanas. I'm Colter Nuanas. We will have daily big sky breakdowns leading up to the Grizz Showdown with South Dakota State in Frisco, Texas. So stay tuned. Skyline SportsMT.com, Skyline Sports every day every season. Old Works Golf Course is one of the most challenging tracks you will find anywhere in Montana, and that's why they host so many of the premier golf tournaments around the Treasure State. The 18-hole course measures at more than 7,700 yards, making it one of the longest courses in the Big Sky State. The Jack Nicholas design comes from one of the best players of all time and one of the world's leading course designs. Jack Nicholas has designed over 310 courses, including this gym located in Anaconda. Montana. Although right now golf season is coming to a close, the Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey is now open all winter. Andrew can help you with expert swing and mental coaching plus custom club fitting and they have multiple state-of-the-art track band simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works 406-563-5989 and be sure to check out Jack's Grill while you're there. Jack's Grill is also open. You year round old works golf course a gem of the treasure state located in anaconda montana
1: introducing SmartBiz, the ultimate wi-fi solution for missoula's small businesses from blackfoot communications with out-of-the-box dedicated networks top-tier security and network failover you'll stay seamlessly connected just twenty dollars a month no contracts Sign up at blackfootsmallbusiness.com slash better wi fi and connect to more with Blackfoot Communications.